how does an agent with no prior YouTube experience generate 164 closed sales transactions in one year, all from YouTube? Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking to top producer and YouTuber, Levi Lassick. Before we get to Levi, just a couple of quick reminders, please help support us by supporting our sponsors. They are the reason we can keep doing these episodes and we greatly appreciate them. So check out their products and services. And second, please tell another agent about this show. The more listeners we have, the more people we can reach and help. So let them know by shooting them over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. They can listen to every episode we've ever done. We have over 430 there, or if they are a regular podcast listener of other shows, just have them pull up their podcast app of choice and search for Keeping It Real and click that subscribe button. All right, enough from me. Let's get to the main event, my conversation with Levi Lassick. Today on the show, we have Levi Lassick, who um, released his first YouTube video on December 5th, 2020, as a, I really want you guys to listen to this biography, because what I'm about to tell you is going to sound almost impossible. So I'm going to start this over, uh, just so that I, if anyone was just passively listening, I want you to actively listen for about the next 20 seconds. So Levi, Levi Lassick released his first YouTube video on December 5th, 2020, as a brand new real estate agent. And he had not sold a home in 2020 or the first quarter of 2021. So again, he started his, uh, his first YouTube video in December of 2020, hadn't sold a home that entire year, and the first quarter of 2021 also no home sold levi partnered with travis plum and they closed their first two transactions from the youtube channel in other words leads they received from their video in april of 2021 now that's the second quarter of uh of 2021 over now here's the incredible part over the next year they generated 164 transactions which equaled 90 million in production and <laughs> And this just makes me cry because I want, I wish this was my story and not Levi's <laughs> 2.7 million in commissions with, and this is the really incredible part, even with all of that being said, zero ad spend. So they now own the fastest growing and most viewed real estate YouTube channel in Dallas, Texas, and they generate no joke, three to five qualified inbound leads every single day. Now, you guys got to check this out. I want you to do two things. I want you to go first to get hooked on Levi's content because he has amazing content for you, the agent, which is PassiveProspecting.com. He's got a book. We're going to talk about that. And he really wants you to take a look. And also, I want you to watch what he's doing on YouTube, which is also Passive Prospecting. Search for that channel. We will have links to both those. Um, but we'll have both those links in the show notes. Levi, uh, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I don't it. know that I've, I don't know that I, in the 430 episodes or whatever we've done, I don't think I've ever interrupted myself in the middle of a reading someone's bio, but I was like, <laughs> no, I have to make a big deal about this because uh, you're not the first person we've had on the show that has really built um, a solid hyper-local brand on YouTube, but you're the one who's had probably the most success so quickly. And, uh, it's just, I I'm just, I, I am like tongue tied. I'm not sure exactly, uh, you know, what to even ask you because this is even blowing me away. So, um, but let's get, let's start at the very beginning of the story before we get into sort of how you did all this, um, how, how, and why did you get into real estate? <laughs> uh, reluctantly, <laughs> that's why, uh, I've got a friend, Michael Reese. Uh, do you know, Michael, you ever met Michael Reese? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I've known him for 20 years and he got licensed in 2002 and I, we actually sold gym memberships together at Bally Total Fitness. So he- Ooh, introduced- that's, a, that's a rough job, by the yeah. way. Oh, hey, we worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And that was literally, so that's, and I did that when I was like 20, 21 years old. So uh, I just got out of military and I needed a job. And that's the thing is, is Michael, first of all, he sold me the most expensive membership there on a three-year contract, (laughs) which I couldn't afford at all whatsoever. And then he eventually just recruited me because I ended up, I had this $8 an hour job and, uh, and that was it. I was doing labor work and, and, uh, I lost that job. And then he recruited me, which was great because I couldn't pay for my gym membership. I think I went up there to tell him I needed to cancel it somehow and get me out of my three-year contract and and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, just come work for me, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. And then I started working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, making phone calls. Uh, Literally, we would phone call 10 hours a day. Brutal. uh, yeah, to to try to get five appointments the next day. That was the whole goal. You were sure. not you were not allowed to stop calling until you had five appointments the next day. And if you got your five appointments next day, they're like, "Well, go ahead and start on the day after." You know. Right. So, anyways, just call for ten hours straight uh, because we would start at ten a.m. The shift was literally ten a.m. to ten p.m. Oh. But we couldn't call after eight p.m. So we had a ten hour window that we had to call and literally get in there at ten a.m. and would start just hammering the smiling and dialing. Yeah. And, and then the whole goal was of course, was to have five people in the gym to tour them around to sell possibly two or three memberships a day. So it was, it was brutal. Uh, but I didn't care. The thing was, is that Michael was a sales machine who, and you know, and I, I just looked up to him and was like, well, if he can do it, I got to do better than him. That's all I've ever said. Uh, I have a very simple formula for success, which is Who's at the top? How did they get there? Uh, you know, uh, can I model that? Can I adjust it to fit my personality? And then can I do better than them? Very simple. And that's mm-hmm. what I learned from the very beginning was Michael's like, well, look, um, here's what I'm doing. I'm making all these phone calls. Here's what you can do. Actually, they gave me the old lead book. They gave me the binder of all the old leads that everybody had already called 500 times and didn't want to call anymore. Right. And so I just started calling them. And then, and what happened was, is within three weeks, I became the top salesperson there and started to even uh, beat Michael. And I just figured out a better way to do it and more creative ways. And then uh, Michael took me to my first Brian Tracy. It was my first time I'd ever been exposed to personal uh, education, you know, or uh, self-education. And, and uh, he's like, Hey, I'm going to see this guy, Brian Tracy talk. I was like, okay, cool. Didn't know who it was, or it wasn't even thinking about that sort of thing. And and Brian Tracy toured the country, spoke for free, put on free events, of course, to sell all of his courses and CDs and everything at the back of the room. And I remember I just had a $300 credit card. Um, it was my first credit card, had a $300 limit, and it was supposed to be for emergencies. And that day I saw Brian Tracy speak, and I went to the back of the room, and I bought as many programs as I could and maxed out that $300 credit card. And I remember I bought, I believe, six different programs. So I bought like the psychology of selling, the psychology mm-hmm. of uh, mindset. Or, you know, I don't know. He just had all these programs and they were sure. CDs. So they were the books with like six CDs in them. Yeah. And, and the cool thing was, is I had this really crappy, it wasn't really crappy, but it was a Volkswagen Jetta. But the one thing it had was a six CD changer. So I could put <laughs> all six CDs in my six CD changer. Mm-hmm which was in the trunk, by the way, Yeah, uh, you'd have to open up the trunk and put it in there. And I would listen to the psychology of selling, you know, uh, driving back and forth to the gym and anywhere I went, I never 
listen to music really in my 20s, I believe. Everybody would ask me about the new bands and what who did I like? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about really. Um, because I just I I I just bought into that from the beginning and I just it just changed my perspective and I just started consuming as much as possible. Now the thing was is I was in the reserves still and uh in 2002 I remember the day Michael came back from meeting a guy named Jay Kinder at the lake and he came back on to Bally's on Monday and was like I'm I'm getting into real estate. You know, he's like that screw this. <laughs> and so he's like I'm getting into real estate. I was like, okay, cool. All right. Good luck. You know? And he was like, no, you got to come with me. Well, he got licensed 2002, finally talked me into it in 2004. So I did get licensed in 2004, but what happened was, is as soon as I completed my training, I had my license for, I think about a week and I got called up, uh, cause I was still in the reserves and they get, you know, I got a call from the military and said, you're being reactivated. You're about to deploy and you're going to be gone for 18 months. Wow. And so and so that was it. So I, I literally, and, and they gave me, I think four days, it was like a four day notice. Um, oh. and, you know, and this was, this was a uh, 2004. So this was right in the height of the, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan. And so literally I, I remember getting that phone call and they said, you've got uh, four days to report to Fort hood, you know, in Texas. And, and that was it. So four days to say goodbyes, pack my bags, you know, and, and that was it. And, uh, so I never, I never practiced real estate. I never did it. And the thing was, is I was gone for 18 months and, uh, ended up spending a year of that over in Iraq. Um, and, and, uh, whenever I got home in 2006, then I knew over that time frame, what I, uh, over, uh, I knew I didn't want to be a real estate agent. I realized, you know, being gone for 18 months, Michael just talked me into it. I really didn't want to be a real estate agent in the beginning. I got licensed just because he told me to. And then when I got deployed, I thought maybe this is divine intervention. So whenever I came back, I didn't even, uh, you know, the license expired. I didn't renew it and I, I didn't become an agent. And so I went, I went on my own path from there. Now, Michael and I have stayed friends over the last 20 years, watched each other grow and, you know, succeed and, and dip and all, you know, all this kind of thing. Sure. But, but uh, yeah, it was really 2020 when my, my financial services business, uh, I had contracts with Dallas ISD. I worked with all the teachers on their retirement planning and I've been doing that for the last five years, uh, very lucrative, very uh, successful at that. And then, you know, April of 2020, all the schools shut down. And whenever all the schools right. shut down, everything I built up over five years, it just kind of was gone overnight. And wow. you know, I'm sitting there at 41 years old asking myself, okay, well, what just happened? How did I end up in this position? And how do I start over without starting over? So, you know, it was it was an interesting time because... I was sitting there thinking, all right, uh, is when school going to come back? When's the world going to reopen? I mean, what's going to happen? Uh, nobody knew. Right. And so, uh, I couldn't meet with people. I, I used to meet with all the teachers on campus. Of course, all the schools were shut down. Uh, none of the teachers knew how to work zoom. Uh, so uh, nobody <laughs> was trying to invest. They were all calling me to, to pull out money from their retirement. Sure, sure. And I was just thinking, all right, well, what, what am I going to do now? And, and here comes Michael okay, now's the best time to get into real estate. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I don't want to be a real estate agent, you know? And, and he's like, but I'm telling you, man. And the thing is, is with Michael is Michael has always seen the potential in everybody that he, and he knows how to also pull that out of people as well. And I think, you know, Michael just knows me as a person in general, ever since we sold gym memberships, we spent a lot of time together and watching each other over the years, he he knows who I am. Uh, he knows my work ethic. He knows what I'm capable of. And I think that's why he just never gave up on trying to get me in the business uh, and and always wanted to work with me again, as I, I always wanted to work with him, but I just never wanted to be the real estate agent. So I said, well, as long as you're an agent, I'm probably, we're probably not going to work together. Uh, just because I, I had no desire to to do that. I was interested in investing. I like investing and I uh, I flipped a few properties here and there. I've had rentals, you know, so I, I, I've done transactions and I enjoyed that part of it, but um, I, I was a, I was a part-time, you know, I was a, a part-time investor. So I did one or two fixer flips a year. I did have seven rentals at one time. So, but I always worked with an agent. So even during that time, I never uh, renewed my license because I just, again, 
to me, it wasn't worth it to try to make a little extra commission. I'd rather just work with somebody that could handle that, build it into the price and just be done with it. Sure. So, so that was it. So over 2020, he was, he was like, Hey man, now's the best time to get into real estate. And, and I, and as I looked at everything over the summer of 2020, every industry was going down the tank, except for real estate. It was probably one of the only industries other than online shopping that started to increase during 2020. Sure. And so I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to make the move, um, maybe this is the time to do it. However, I was, I was literally scared to death, you know, because I was, uh, first of all, I'm 41 years old at that time and I'm 43 now, but I was 41 going, okay, how do you, again, how do you start over without starting over? I mean, how do I, how do I get into a new industry, a new business? And is there a way to, to jumpstart that is how am I, how am I going to compete with every agent in Dallas that's been in the business for five, 10, 15, 30 years, uh, in one of the most competitive markets, how am I going to position myself? How am I going to have to go out there and shake hands and kiss babies and, you know, go to all these neighborhood events and start. And I was, that I was just not really interested in either, you know, and nothing wrong with that at all. But I was just thinking I'm at a different point in my life. You know, I love the movie, the boiler room, but I'm just not into all the phone calls anymore. Like you already, you cool. already did your time on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can do it. I just didn't want to do it. And I was yeah. just thinking, okay, well, one thing that Michael said to me that always resonated was, and I and I heard him speak, you know, to other groups and and do trainings. And you know, one thing he said that always stood out to me was uh, he said he said it's not the best real estate agent that wins; it's the best marketer. And so, as I thought about that more, I was just thinking, well, if I move into real estate, instead of getting into real estate and then trying to figure out a plan, I just thought, let me figure out a plan. And if I can figure out a plan, maybe I'll get into real estate if I can see a viable option for myself. And if it, and if the best marketer wins, then I need a good marketing plan and I need to find a way to attract business. And how can I bring people to me versus me having to go out there, pound the pavement, shake hands, kiss babies, try to build a brand from scratch uh, to be known and compete with every Joe, Bob and Susie out there selling real estate. Is there a gap too? I was like, is there a gap in the market? Is there an actual gap in Dallas real estate that I could slip into somehow and attract business and bring people to me uh, so that, you know, the traffic is inbound? Well, uh, there's only really, I think the way to do that this day and age quickly is through social media. And so I, I knew that. And so I was like, okay, it's, it's likely going to be social media because I also knew I didn't want to start uh, a postcard campaign and I didn't want to start a magazine and a billboard and start spending a ton of money, especially in the middle of uh, a pandemic where who knows what was going to happen anyways. Uh, and even going out and meeting people or events, all that stuff was still very questionable. Even for Texas. I mean, I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and we, we were open faster than anybody other than Florida. So, but still people were still a little on the fence yeah. about events and things like that. So, so I was just thinking, okay, social media. All right. Well, so I started looking at, at people, you know, um, agents that, that Michael knew and everyone was like, okay, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, especially TikTok. I mean, every agent, it seemed like in 2020, woke up with uh, 10,000 TikTok followers, you know? And so everyone was going, you got to be on TikTok, right? TikTok where it's at. And I'm like, well, how much business did you get from that? Well, you know, I get a lot of inquiries, <laughs> you know? Uh, a lot of people say, hey, I, I'm interested, you know, but uh, I didn't I didn't hear a lot of people turning over business. And I didn't really hear people, I know people are successful on these platforms, uh, not, nothing to take away from them either. Uh, I just didn't hear anybody like driving primary business. Like I didn't hear people saying, man, I I've done a hundred deals from Instagram. I've done 50 deals from uh, Facebook. I've done 75 deals from TikTok. I just wasn't hearing that. Um, I know people generate business, but it was more like supplementing their, their primary business. A lot of agents that have been in the business for five, 10 or 15 years. And so they have marketing plans. They have sphere of influence. They have referrals coming in. So the social media, yeah, they do 10, 20, 30 deals, but not where I really wanted to be. And over my uh, you know, career, uh, I've been in three major industries and I've always been successful from the start because, again, I followed my simple model of success, which was who's at the top? How did they get there? What are they doing? 
Can I model it? Can I adjust it to fit my personality? And can I do better than them? And so every time I did something else or made a transition, that's what I did. And so I thought, well, who can I, who can I do that in, uh, in, in real estate, you know, but I didn't really want to be on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook either. I, I, I have not really been on social media that much because I'm at, I was at that 41 year old age range. And, and if you're like me, and you're at that 40 age range and above, you probably have a love-hate relationship with social media. I I, I am I am with you and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we didn't grow up with it. It wasn't there in high school, wasn't there in college, came around in our late 20s, early 30s. We we felt like it's just people bragging, posting cat videos and and talking about their lunch and and here's my yeah, here's my dinner. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay, that's stupid. But then but then we started to see the 20 and 30 year olds make some money and we're going, okay, well, maybe there's something to this social media thing. But then, you know, nobody ever really digs into it. And so I knew going in, I was like, well, I also knew I wanted to pick one platform because the last thing I wanted to do was do what everybody was telling me to do is, well, you got to be on five different platforms. Well, I just think if you start out that way, you're going to put a 20% effort into five different platforms and you'll never truly master one and you'll never truly generate business from any of them because you're dabbling in all of them. And they're so, all so different. Yeah, extremely different. And so I thought, well, I want to choose one platform because I want to go all in on one platform. I want to focus on that platform. And then if I can build um, some business or something from that platform, it'll be much easier to branch out to the other ones than it is to try to cover all five at once. So I just started doing research and started looking into, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok first, because that's what everybody told me to do. And when I studied that more, and got deeper in those rabbit holes, I realized I really don't like those platforms <laughs> for me. Uh, nothing I was really interested in. I didn't see um, anything there as far as uh, a path that fit my personality. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started to, so then I started to think, well, I don't know, YouTube. I, actually, what I did was I stopped and I started to look at people at our brokerage. Like you mentioned, GoGo, um, Michael Reese. Uh, there's another guy named Kyle Handy. Uh, you know, Ricky Carruth, a couple of these people, I started sure. to look at them. They were some of the the top agents in, in uh, EXP. And so when I looked at them, I started to say, what's their commonality? And what I, what I saw was, well, they've got a pretty strong YouTube presence, you know, mm -hmm. um, not really in building a real estate business, but they had a YouTube business, you know, or they had YouTube, they're talking to other agents, attracting agents, things like that. So I thought, well, and what did I do? I looked at all their YouTube channels and they were talking about their time in production, right? You know, Ricky's known for like being one of the best cold callers, you know, uh, Kyle's known for being uh, really good at SEO and blog writing and um, doing open houses and GoGo -Go has her, you know, social media boot camp, And then, you know, Michael does his, you know, different funnels, you know, so but they talked about their business, how they generated that and they were doing it on YouTube. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. What if I just did that for real estate clients, you know, um, started to find out and I started to do research on YouTube. And what I soon found out was that YouTube is a search engine, not a social media platform. Right. In fact, I think it's the number two search engine uh, online, I believe, at yeah. least in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, number two behind Google. So I started to see that, that YouTube uh, was a search engine. And whenever I realized, oh, it's a search <laughs> engine and wondered if people are searching you know, suburbs of Dallas. And so I started to look at, okay, Plano, Texas, for example, went on to Google. On Google, Plano gets about 90,500 searches per month. Not bad at all. But whenever you find that search volume on YouTube, it's 834,000 searches per month. It's 10 Amazing. times the search volume on YouTube than it is on Google. So that immediately told me that, well, people are searching 10 times the amount on YouTube over Google. They want to see these places. And then it made me realize, well, you know what? I think the reason those other platforms didn't resonate with me is because what I saw was a bunch of seasoned agents that have been in the business 5, 10, 15 years telling their uh telling stories about their experiences and their clients and how to do this on a home and how to watch out for this and look out for this and look out for that and I hadn't even sold a home yet. So I was thinking, okay, 
well, I could I could read about a VA loan and then regurgitate that on sure. a 60 second video on TikTok, but it just didn't seem authentic to me. It didn't seem right. Uh, it didn't really. I just thought, and eh, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Start educating. It, it, yeah, it doesn't provide any particularly new value. Um, it's 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 not a terrible idea, uh, but maybe there's a better idea, which is what you're yeah. you're headed to. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So just as I dug into YouTube a little bit more then I, what I realized was, okay, well, if people are searching information about, you know, Dallas, Texas and Plano, Texas and Frisco, Texas and all the suburbs, well, I know everything about Dallas or mostly everything about Dallas. Maybe I can just talk about Dallas, not even have to talk about real estate in general or talk about contracts right. and escrow and title and, and the different types of loans. What if I just talk about the suburbs? And and so that's where I started to really dig in and build out a, a plan. I built out a business plan. And this is something I think nobody does whenever they start on social platforms is, is treating YouTube like a business. And what I love to say now is that if you treat YouTube like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. And if you treat YouTube like a business, it'll pay you like a business. And right. so uh, what I did was I just started to research every possible thing I could on YouTube and YouTube marketing and videos and how to make videos. And then, uh, you know, look at all these different real estate channels. And then I just started to build out a plan of what I thought may do well, as far as what people are searching. And then I had the search volume that helped me as well. So it wasn't me just guessing on, Oh, maybe should I make this video? It was no, I could actually go in and see what were people searching on. Yeah. You, you know, you know, your potential audience size before you ever start recording because yeah. you have an idea of what that search volume traffic could be. Um, and, and then of course you have people you're competing with in that space too, which you also, I imagine did research on. Yeah. Well, the thing was, there wasn't really a lot in Dallas surprisingly. And that's the thing is, is whenever that's I talk shocking. about, yeah, looking for a gap, there was, there was about five agents, maybe um, five agents that I found in Dallas that were uh, mostly consistent. And one of them, uh, the top channel had 7,000 subscribers. The second to top had 5,000 subscribers. Oh, okay. and, and, uh, the next one had four and the next one had three and right. I was starting at zero and I thought, okay, well, um, the top one has 7,000. So that's the, that's my person, right? That's the goal. That, that's the benchmark. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we passed everybody up, uh, about six <laughs> months ago. So, and, and, yeah. and, and we should, we should let people know sort of when we're talking about, you know, doing research, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a few ideas. You tell me if, if these are, you know, worthy. And again, you're, you're basing these based on search volume. So you're taking a look, you're doing the research. And so we're saying, okay, what, what kind of content are we talking about? So let's say somebody's moving to Plano. You could do a video on uh, if there's enough traffic, best schools in, 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 in Plano or reasons to move to Plano, or here's the nightlife in Plano, or here's the, here are the neighborhoods that, you know, are most, what, whatever, you know, it could be anything. Here's, Here's uh, the best restaurants in what Plano, or it could be top 10 reasons to move or so I, I'm just throwing these out there. Are this, is this the kind of content that we're talking about? Yeah. All of those would not be even real estate necessarily <laughs> related, but just related to people wanting information about living in Plano. Yep. Yeah. They want to really. see it. I mean, anybody can go on Plano or look, go on an iBuyer platform yeah. and look at homes all day in Plano, but Zillow does it way better than we'll ever do it. Right. Yeah. yeah, but they, uh, but Zillow doesn't show them the home across the street, the home next right. door, the playground, the community center, the community pool, the HOA yep. pool. You know, it doesn't show them the Chipotle around the corner. Doesn't yeah. show them any of that stuff. So yeah, we can we actually take them out in neighborhoods and show them that. Uh, yeah, pros and cons video. People want to know what's the good and the bad of living in an area. Pros video. You could talk about all the good things in your area. You could talk about all the bad things. Our, actually, our number one video is, you know, what we hate about Dallas. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's you know, so, that's funny. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about this as you were talking. I apologize to interrupt you. And first, by the way, before I meant to say this about twenty minutes ago, and I and I escaped me. But thank you, of course, for your service because without the safety of uh, of our citizens. Um, uh, you know, we, we can't do much of anything. And so I, I just, you know, you said that very quickly and, and I just want to, you know, of course, pause and admire you for, for dedicating service to, uh, to our country to help all of us, um, stay safe. And so thank you for that. Um, and also, uh, wanted to, to, you know, I, I was just thinking about this. I was in 
uh, I went on a father-son trip to Ireland with my dad uh, three or four years ago, and my dad had already been a couple of times. And so he was pretty familiar with a lot of the the, the little towns and uh, and all the sites. But um, we were trying a few cities that he had never been to. It was my first time there. And so we're driving across, you know, all over the country, which is what everyone does when they go to Ireland. And every single night, because we'd visit about two to three cities a day, the very first, you're, you're so absolutely right about this because the Yes, I had the, you know, Rick Steves uh, Travel Ireland book that was in our car, um, but we were driving a lot and my dad doesn't like to read in the car. I was driving and it's everything's backwards. So it takes a lot of concentration. I can't certainly look up things in the book uh, while I'm driving stick shift, you know, on these little tiny roads in Ireland, hoping I don't get killed um, because I'm driving the wrong way. But what we would do the night before is we would literally just go to YouTube and say best things to do in X. And then what we would do is we would download the video and then we would play it in the car, you know, that next day on the way to those places. And that was the best possible education I got because you're right. The books are great and they were helpful, um, but they didn't really give me a sense of what it was like to go to some of these attractions and these events. Um, so we would download it and watch it or listen to it on the way uh, to that place. And and I think a lot of people do this when they go visit places they haven't. They go, best things to do, right? And um, so- I mean, that in and of itself is a, is, is kind of the blueprint for, for what we're talking about is find things that people are already searching for and just create the best possible video for that topic. Is that, is that my understanding? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, our, one of my favorite companies out there, Follow-Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow-Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow-Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the US, uses Follow-Up Boss, and he is built a one and a half billion dollar business in just six years. Follow-up boss integrates with over 250 systems so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven day a week support so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this, follow-up boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering Keeping It Real listeners a 30 day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with Follow Up Boss. And now back to our episode. Don't you wish it was more complicated than that? It would sort of be like, uh, oh, well, let's talk about this though. How, how, so you're a guy who you're, you didn't grow up wanting to be a broadcaster. You didn't want to be a, a streamer. You didn't want to be a personality online necessarily. Um, you just knew that you were modeling some of these, uh, some of these people that have come before you and trying to figure out oh, a gap in the market. And, you know, it was funny because you were talking about Brian Tracy. I, one of my favorite Brian Tracy quotes uh, is something like, well, he says sales solve all problems. And, and we would just maybe refrain, refrain that to, to leads solve all problems because they really do, right? I mean, this is a business of leads. And of course, it's a business of service and, and all the other things too. But leads are what keep the engine running. Um, and you know, leads can come from a lot of different sources. But you basically saw, you, your idea was, I don't want to go out into the public that much. That's not really what I'm best at. Um, you know, I'm not the guy on the billboard or, you know, racing around all these different events, you know, um, I want to be the guy, you know, people are doing all this searching online. I want to be the guy they go to for that. And, um, you know, when you started making videos, you, you talked about reading about it, learning production, um, how, how difficult was it for you to, did you, did you have a, I need these videos to look perfect or were you willing to to experiment and try different methods because i know a lot of listeners are like i don't know anything about video production that's not what i do um so how complicated are your video shoots uh pretty basic so i don't i don't think i've ever uh the only videos i've ever re-recorded are the ones that i didn't record audio or something like that whenever i made it but that's only been a, a couple of times uh, i think for me 
it was no, I, I wasn't seeking this out. To me, I, I I am a will do what it takes to get things done type of person. So really, the thing is, is I grew up in a pretty neutral environment. I would say that my parents, uh, much as I love them, they never encouraged me to do anything with my life. <laughs> they were they were just kind of like. Uh, really, they their mindset was is uh, the 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 most thing I heard ever come from my mom was we can't afford that. So we grew up with a very poor mentality, uh, with the same same thing as far as uh, you're never going to go to college. I mean, literally, mm. it wasn't. My parents weren't like, "Hey, let's figure out a way you can get to college." It was like, "Well, we didn't go to college. Your two older brothers didn't go to college, and right. you're not going to go to college. That's because, not in your future. Yeah. yeah, because we're we can't afford it." And that's all right. they saw. They like, I don't even think they understood about scholarships, student yeah. aid, you yeah. know, because they they never right. said Levi get good grades, get a scholarship, you know, none of that. I mean, it was just, it was not in their, in their, in their window, you know? And so, yeah. so that was the thing is that, and they never, I remember like in a second grade, I wanted to be an astronaut, but they never bought me a popular mechanics magazine or, you know, encouraged yeah. that in any way there. And so I think I was always a little lost. And so sure. I think whenever I met someone like Michael. And he was like, Hey, just sell some gym memberships with me. I was like, okay, cool. You know? And then seeing someone like Brian Tracy who talked about, Oh, if you read, I mean, whatever you want to do, you can go out there and read about it and learn it and and apply it and take action. And I was like, Oh, brilliant. You know, genius. Okay. Okay. I can do that. And you know, and then I got deployed. Well, when I got deployed, I thought a lot about uh, what I wanted to do whenever I came back. And really, I wanted to get into real estate investing, but I didn't. Um, I I just got a job selling cell phones. <laughs> but I knew from learning from Michael, I was like, I want to be the best at selling cell phones. And so what did I do? Went to the best salesperson. Hey, what are you doing? How did you do that? How did you get yeah. there? Take some little tips. And then I was like, how do I adjust it to fit my personality? How can I do better? And of course, I beat them. Uh, at their own game and and became the best. Well, from there, I got recruited to a pharmaceutical company. The first thing I did in the pharma company was, as I said, who's the best salesperson, which you can see them at the top of the charts. And he happened to be living in Oklahoma. It's three hours from Dallas. I asked my manager, hey, you know, can I, can I, can I do all my calls Monday through Thursday? And can I go Friday? Can I go drive up to Oklahoma and spend the day with this top salesperson? And he was blown away. Nobody had ever <laughs> asked him in, in the, the years and years and years he'd been Amazing. there. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so I got up, you know, and, and that salesperson was starting at like eight in the morning. So I had to get up, drive three hours to Oklahoma, meet him by 8 a.m. And then I spent the whole day with him and drove back. But that was the things I was willing to do to yeah. just um, to try to try to be the best. And it took um, it took within 12 months. I was I never got to number one, but I got to number four out of 160 sales reps nationwide. But I did that in less than 12 months. And that's Amazing. not easy to do in the pharmaceutical world. Well, from there, I transitioned into financial services. Whenever I got licensed for that and got into that business, the first thing I did was went to the best person I knew and learn from them and then figured out how to do it better. And I blew past them, uh, their production, you know, like they told me their, their best production was 1.3 million the first year. Um, and that's a lot whenever you're talking about just, uh, getting up monthly accounts built up yeah. for, te for teachers. Well, I did 1.5 the first, my first year. And so, you know, when I was making that transition into real estate, that's why I was really scared to death because, I had not heard, uh, a, you know, you hear about all the failures more than you hear the successes. Well, and, there's a lot more, there's a lot more failures than successes yeah. in real estate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and if you hit a hundred thousand in your first year in real estate, you're a major success. You right? are a super superstar. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was like, I'm not good with a hundred thousand, you know, and and also uh, what I just saw people doing was this, the same traditional ways. Right. And and, uh, and so that's what scared me to death. Cause I was like, I still wanted to come in and, and be successful and, and just be the best, uh, at real estate. I was like, and that's what held me back for so long too. Cause I, I never had the desire to do it. And I thought, um, you know, if I do move into that, I want to do this as fast as possible 
I don't know if that's possible, but you know, could I get to two or 300,000? That's what I was really thinking. Could I get to two or three or 400,000 in my first year? Because then I would feel like I made an impact. I'm off to a good start. And that's- And and by that time, if, if you can do that, you've clearly cracked some code, right? It's not just, hey, I got lucky because I grew up here and all my friends still live here and they yep. just happen to all need to buy a condo or sell a condo this year. This is- a whole different thing that nobody locally had even done, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, you, there's there's a YouTube channels with 7,000, which is very me- meager, really. Um, I mean, it's not really, if you're doing it, uh, uh, that could be enough to generate tons and tons of business, but I'm guessing those other channels probably weren't generating a ton of business. So you, you didn't even have a, a really amazing blueprint. You did have, you did, were kind of placing a bet. Well, going back to the, the, your question, as far as um, the thing, what I understood was in my research was that what I realized was um, here's why I was at the position I was at because over my career of sales, gym memberships, cell phones, pharmaceuticals, and retirement plans, it was always me. It was one-to-one selling. And so every time I stopped or when I transitioned from cell phones to pharmaceuticals, I had nothing to show except a bunch of trophies from selling cell phones. When I went from pharmaceuticals to financial services, I had all the trophies from pharmaceuticals but nothing came with me. No income. And plus plus it's not, it's not as scalable, right? Like you, it was you, it was you that was, that was making all these sales and there wasn't an avenue like YouTube for real estate, because you couldn't reach uh, as easily a vast number of prospects in those other, uh, you know, services. Yep. Yeah. So, and they were, and they were jobs, of course, you can't really scale your job, you know? And so, right. But when I went into financial services, that was one of the first time I started a, my own business and I could bring on other reps and expand. And I did, a, I did that. Uh, I brought on a couple of people, but the thing is, is that the margins were small that I, you know, I had to cut into their cut, you know, if I wanted yeah. to make the overrides. And so I, I would bring on a few people and I just never felt right to me. Uh, I just thought, man, nobody is is going to make a, a serious living because I, I know that I'm a, a rare breed as well. And right. I, I'm confident in, in my sales ability. And I know, I know I'm a good salesperson and I know I'm in the top 1% and I've proven that in, in four different industries. Uh, and I know that not everybody's that good of a salesperson. So in, in the financial services, no, I, I was going to be very difficult to find somebody like me that could sell as well as me, but then- Yeah, it's hard to duplicate you. Yeah, yeah if they yeah. didn't do that, if they didn't do that, they weren't going to make a good living either. So it never set well with me. So I never scaled that accordingly because that was more of a, a just a personal conflict with myself was I didn't feel sure. like I could get somebody on full-time that could, could you know, earn a full-time living. So- so that's what, those are the questions I asked myself over the summer because, and that's what kept me from getting into real estate is because I did not want to go into one-to-one selling again. I didn't want to be the one shaking hands, kissing babies, doing the transactions and, and so, or making the calls because, you know, as soon as you hang up the phone, your lead generation stops. And so I wanted to build something that was scalable, something that, that I could, you know, I wasn't a factor, you know? And so that way, if a pandemic yeah. or illness or, you know, economy or something like that took me out of the picture, whether temporarily or permanent, I could still have a business running on the back end. So that's just all the questions that I had to ask myself. So that's the other part of why we've grown so quickly. Um, oh, and so going back to your original question, as far as uh, camera presence, it wasn't hard for me because what I learned, what I realized was all video is, is communication and sales at scale. And so I was like, well, shoot, if I can make videos, I can have the conversation once with that camera, but now I'm giving the It's still one-to-one. But a hundred, a thousand, 10,000, 50,000 people can see that conversation. And so this is what I tell agents now is like, uh, you do this every day. If I went to your neighborhood right now to buy a home, you could take me around all day long, tell me everything I needed to know uh, about that neighborhood, the schools, the, the fun things to do. You could tell me all of that. But when I leave, it's gone. 
It's done. That conversation is dead forever. It'll never be resurrected. So stop doing that. Have that exact conversation you'd have with me and have it on camera. And now you can tell thousands of people and give them the opportunity to see that. That's passive prospecting. That is that is doing the sales pitch once and letting uh, something else do all the work for you. Everybody loves the idea of passive income. But what do you have to do? You have to do the work up front and put a system, a process in place so that it constantly works for you on the back end, right? Because no matter what anybody says, passive income still takes a little bit of tweaks here and there, right? And you got to look at it. But all video is, is passive prospecting. It's the same concept. We're taking the time, energy, and effort to make that video. But once I've done that, it's done and it's going to work not just 24 seven, but in a compound effect of time because making video does not take time. It makes you time. And not only does it make you time, it compounds time. So that is always prospecting. And that's why I don't feel bad now about traveling, uh, taking the days off, taking the weekends off, going to conferences, going on vacation because videos still get published and leads still come in no matter what I'm doing. It's, Yes. Everything you said is apps. You know, it's funny. I, this is how, this is an embarrassing thing. I'll admit that, um, really, uh, speaks to everything you just said. So I recruit realtors. So I'm, I'm a bit different because I'm not a producing agent. Um, I recruit for our company and I'm doing it the same way I've been doing it since 2010, which is we have, well, we have people that make calls and say, Hey, would you like to talk about switching firms? And then they set up an appointment. And then I schedule a 30 minute meeting and I do my pitch and 95% of the conversation is me explaining everything that we offer. Cause that's why people are scheduling the appointment. You know, I'll do five minutes of like, Hey, tell me about you. What are you looking for? What's, you know, you're having problems that you're existing for blah, blah, blah. Fine. Make sure I know what they want. But then I got to present for 25 minutes because that's what they're there to hear. And I've been doing that the exact same way for, well, for 12 years now. And this whole time I'm going, why don't I have a video that does most of this? Like maybe it doesn't do the full 25 minutes, but it does like 20 minutes of it. And prior to the meeting, I go, hey, you know, just to save you time, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I'd like you to watch this video because honestly, you know, you can learn most everything we do. And then I'm going to call you at the time that we have scheduled and we're going to have a better conversation because now you'll know kind of what we offer. I can have sort of next level conversations with you and you can, you know, it'll just be better. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. And you just reminded me uh, that what I'm doing isn't scalable and it's no different really than, um, you know, somebody meeting with a buyer for the first time, which by the way, if you're doing that one-to-one, awesome, good. I'm not here to tell you that that's a bad idea, but what if you had a video with somebody? I mean, we're now we're sort of getting into a different realm. But what if we had a video that said, "Hey, Mr. and Mrs. First-time home buyer, um before we meet in person, I'd like you to watch this 15-minute video. It'll help prepare for the meeting." blah 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 blah. But anyway, this will save time for the agent. Um so it it, it you know, YouTube um and, and again, I'm sorry. So that was just Well, one, no, one two point. no, two things. You got please, two, please. two very important things about that. Number one, I do the exact same thing. So, uh what's your brokerage? Uh, it's called kale, like the vegetable. Okay. So I'm, you know, I'm with EXP and we, you know, we do agent attraction. The thing is, is that I've never explained EXP business model to anybody. If they book a partner call with me, what happens is as soon as they book that call, I have an automation that sends yeah. them the EXP explained video because, and I say in the message, Hey, by the way, since we're going to be chatting about EXP, it's best you watch this video about the brokerage model so that you have all the context you need and can ask the right questions when we get on the call. And so instead of them asking me, okay, what's the split? What's the right, which is what I deal with all the time. Yeah. That, you know, you know, those are done. Yeah. You know what their number one, every time I get on a call now, uh, what their number one question is. No. How does this work? How how do I how do I move? How do I sign how up? I, how do yeah. I move over? Yeah. So it's 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 the logistics of it. That's what their question is about. And sure. So, and then and then we just chit chat. We kind of like oh so you know where'd you grow up you know and then we just kind of yeah. go back and forth. So that that's done the heavy lifting for me. Now to your other point on the real estate side, the video builds the relationship for you. See the thing is is that nobody hardly watches one video and calls us. They end up watching five, 10, 15, 20 videos. So whenever they come to us, number one, the the relationship is already there on their side. They already feel like they know, like, and trust us. Right. Sure. Uh, and they when they call us, 
they've already made the decision that they want to work with us. And so, and, and they feel like they know you Oh yeah, because it will, and this, this is the thing that, that people don't realize it actually builds and it maybe it's artificial in a sense, but it, it's irrelevant because it works. It builds a connection between you and the audience because you are speaking one-to-one, even though that video is reaching tens of thousands of people, possibly it is a one-to-one relationship each time somebody pushes play. Yep. Absolutely. So, so how often do they feel like they know you? They're like, it's it's probably, I've talked to other YouTubers who say it's, it's kind of funny in a way because people will talk to me as if they're already my friend because they're so used to watching my content. They're so hooked on my content. They're like, I got to work with this guy. And by the time you end up talking to them, I, I imagine you're right. You're not, they, 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 they know they at least know and like you and hopefully trust you by then, but they know they like you because they're calling you or they're contacting you or reaching out. And they know, you know what you're talking about. Cause you've demonstrated that value through these, uh, videos. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, people, you know, get recognized around town. It's funny because, uh, I was in the, I was actually at the airport the other day in the TSA line and somebody started tugging on my sleeve and I looked over and I didn't see anybody. And then I looked down and it was this like 85 year old four foot lady. And she's just looking up at me and I was like, uh, I said, hello. And she goes, uh, she goes, are you the YouTube real estate guy? <laughs> Uh, I loved your uh, 10 things to hate about Plano yeah. video. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, that's me. And she's like, I like, lo- love your videos. And then she just walked on by, you know, and that's, and it's funny, it's happened in, uh, in clothing stores and coffee shops and, and uh, coming in and out of my office. It's like, people are like, Hey, Hey, uh, you know, I was getting food the other day and the guy standing next to me in line is sitting there staring at me. And I'm, I'm just like, Hey, and he goes, cause don't you make YouTube videos? And uh, I was like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, cool. You know, and it's just funny. And so you are building that up and it's around this whole, you know, that's the thing is, is right now, especially in this market, I believe the most visible agents going to win. So yes. now that doesn't mean you have to be on video, but if you're a postcard person, you should probably send mo- more postcards. If you're an email person, you should probably send more emails. If you're a phone call person, you need to make more phone calls. You can be visible on the phone when you're actually having conversations with people. So if you're a, if you're a caller, you need to call more people in this market. And so right now- and, for and us- I, I want to pause for a second because I want to make a, a pretty strong point is, and I, I think I think you'll agree with this. Um, you talked about, you just talked about postcards, email, um, you know, phone calls. Those are all you reaching out to the customer. Yep. People don't like emails, right? We, I mean, and again, I'm just generalizing. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with sending emails. But generally speaking, we don't, we don't love unwanted emails or certainly too many of them. We don't want too many phone calls. We don't want too many uh, postcards. I mean, postcards are pretty innocuous. But what you're doing is they're coming to you because they're searching for the content they want. There's no resistance at that point. There's no like, who's this guy calling me? It's, oh, this guy's providing me content. I found him. He didn't find me. So we we call that, uh, and actually we talk about that. That's uh, I believe that's the first chapter in passive prospecting is interruption versus intentional marketing. So what you just described is interruption marketing. It's what we've, we've been conditioned to be a part of and conduct as, as business people our whole lives. That's uh, TV commercials, billboards, magazine ads, postcards, cold calling, door knocking. That is interrupting. They say right now we get exposed to eight to 10,000 ads per day. Okay. Incredible. Now we're not buying that many products, which, which means we're completely ignoring them. Right. So, um, but they're interrupting you. And this thing is, is that you could see a dog food commercial 10 times a day. Doesn't mean you're going to go buy dog food. Right. I don't care how many times you see Jake from state farm, you're not going to go run out and buy insurance, but the second you uh, have a kid and you need you you need a new life policy or you need to update it, or you run out of, let's say you run out of dog food, you do not need any marketing or advertising to convince you to go do that. You now have intention and now, now you're on the hunt. Now you're out there looking and guess what? People are intentional about buying or selling real estate, but most real estate agents chase after everybody else saying that they're in the relationship business, trying to build relationships when all they're doing is really interrupting people nonstop. So hopefully one day when they're finally in the market, they'll actually think of them and buy or sell a home with them. And then they end up buying a home from uncle Bob because he's over at their house drinking beer on a Sunday afternoon. And you're like, I've been chasing you down for 18 months. And they're like, well, sorry, uncle Bob was over at my house. And you know, uh, I just listed with him. So intentional means people are intentional about buying and selling real estate. 
But what if you're the person that's in front of them whenever they're they're now searching for that information? When people go to research on YouTube and they search Dallas, guess what? They're going to get hit with all of our videos because we pop up everywhere. They can't avoid us. And so now they and then they just start watching the content. Guess what? It's immediate value add. We don't sell them on the fact that we're real estate agents. We don't uh, you know, tell them about here's the tips to sell your home. It's like, here's all the information about Dallas, what they're actually searching for. And so we just become their agent by default because yeah. they end up consuming so much content that, that, you know, they just can't help themselves. And they're like, well, I might as well call this guy. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. And, and again, you haven't created resistance because you're not pitching them directly. I mean, maybe at the end of your videos, oh, hey, by the way, if you, you know, you know, th there may be some of that and that's, that's fine, but they already found you. You didn't find them. You didn't pitch them first. Um, and, and that is, that is just beyond, beyond huge. So tell us about passiveprospecting.com. Yeah, it's, it's our website. I mean, the main thing we're doing right there is directing people to sign up to be the first to know when we release the new book. So we have, uh, written the book Passive Prospecting. It's in it's in process right now. Uh, the publisher that we're working with has told us probably a February timeframe as far as release. So right now, if you go to PassiveProspecting.com, you'll see on the homepage, you can just sign up. And, and so that way we'll notify you as soon as the book releases, uh, because we do want to create some, some emphasis and some push around whenever that launches. Uh, it's going to be awesome, but it's, it's 14 chapters. I mean, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot of information. And, and we tell you, we uh, talk about all the principles in the first half of the book. And the second half of the book is how to apply them and how to build your own channel. So it's really going to be, um, uh, really, I think everything you need. Now, the thing is, is you, you'll be missing the visual component, which I think, you know, um, like, like we walk through people through a digital course when we help them learn YouTube, which they can see, and it's very easy, but the book, I mean, that some people learn from reading and writing. And so, uh, we, we walk them through everything that they need to get through that. And so we just talk about that. And, and, uh, and the cool thing is, is, um, we got the forward, the forward was written by Ryan Serhant. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's uh, that's certainly some nice social proof to help uh, help help sell some books. And uh, yeah, I uh, I need to get I need to see if I can get him on our show. We've um, yeah, I just I haven't over all the years. I need to. Um, but yes, uh, but that's amazing. Congratulations on that. He's not an easy get. We we actually have had him um, booked a couple of times over the years, and then it it just fell through. So um, that is as really impressive. And I, again, I I just want to sort of wrap this up with. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a special hook. You don't have to be, you know, the, 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 the TikTok dancing family. Um, <laughs> although if that's your hook, great. Um, but what all you, all you can, you know, all you really need to do is focus on your expertise, which is hyper-local real estate. Think of the questions your your clients ask you when they move in or move out. Think of the things they need, the thing, and then you can, you know, God, there's a million tools to look up search volume. Take a, and again, just the biggest mind shift sh uh, change that I'm making in this, in this conversation is um, YouTube is not a place to watch videos. It's a search engine. It's a search engine first that happens to show you videos. Um, and if I think of it that way, then it becomes a research and development tool versus, and also, you know, a, a, you know, fun thing if I want to screw around on YouTube, but I can actually use it for research and development. Whereas Instagram, Facebook, uh, and even TikTok, um, you're, you're at the mercy of either the people you already know, or in, in TikTok's, um, you know, case a little bit differently, you know, they, they have a sort of a different algorithm, um, set, but you know, Facebook is people, you know, for the most part, um, maybe some people find you here and there through referrals. Instagram's essentially the same way. So all you're really doing, and there's nothing wrong with creating content for your, your followers, but it's not easy to sort of branch outside of those followers in those platforms. It's really tough because that's just not what those platforms are for. Uh, Instagram tries to be a search engine. I don't think it does that all that successfully. Um, but um, certainly YouTube has as the the cream of the crop. That's where everyone goes to learn how to do and uh, how to do something or how or about something. Um, you know, my 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 dad was like, I he just you know he goes around and fixes things all over the house. He, checks everything on YouTube first, like, like a lot of us do. So, um, I absolutely love this. And we all have essentially 4k phones with incredible resolution, incredible clarity. Um, 
you don't even have to have necessarily really amazing equipment. What you do have to have is really amazing content, which is what you have if you're a real estate agent who cares and actually works on their craft. You just take the information you already have and and apply it and make videos. Um, what well, just real quickly, what's the have you found to be uh, an optimal length or or for your videos uh, to for the where the audience stays engaged, or do you find it's kind of all over the board? Uh, videos need to be as long as they need to be. So give the information that's needed to create the video. Don't keep talking just to keep talking. So if the video is 12 minutes and 19 seconds, let it be that. If it's 15 minutes and 18 seconds, uh, I mean, I've, ex I've even done an hour video on, on the channel as an experiment. And it's one of the most viewed and most watched videos on the channel. So the thing is, is again, when your audience is researching you you have their attention because you know their intention. So when you know their intention, you will have their attention. And so uh, longer form video, that's what they're there for. And that's what gets people dialed in and builds that relationship for you because they watch more and more content. The longer they watch it, the more of the relationship they they develop and deepen with you. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, the shortest, maybe 10 minutes, the longest I've done an hour and everything in between. So I, I make videos. And the thing is, I didn't intentionally make an hour video, but I knew it was going to be a lot because I was going to cover a lot. And at the end of it, it was like, oh, that's an hour. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I thought, well, we'll see what happens. But again, still one of the most popular, one of the most viewed videos. So it just told me that, okay, people are, are, are dialed in when they're researching. I mean, making a move is a big decision for a lot of people and, and people do research that, but think about how do they actually research that from before? I mean, we've also helped People move from Japan, from Belgium, from the Philippines, from Australia, from the UK, from South Africa. Where would else would they have found us other than YouTube? I mean, do you think those people would have just randomly discovered our website or, right. our, or our Facebook profile? No, no, they, they're going to search Dallas first because they're moving here because of a job, because of a better opportunity, because of a transfer, this or that, you know? And, and so they're saying, well, I'm, what, what's Dallas like? Let's go on YouTube and, and take a look. Let's see what Dallas looks like. And then guess what? All of our videos pop up over and over and over again. And so they're like, Hey, uh, moving from Belgium, uh, you know, which we just got that email, uh, two weeks ago. And that's what the lady said. Used to live in Florida, lived in Belgium the last six years. Now we're getting transferred to Dallas. So, so, so again, in essentially uh, one year, we're talking 164 transactions, 90 million in production, almost 3 million in commissions. Um, th these results speak for themselves. I don't need to say anything other than I want to read that book. Uh, so the best place, and by the way, everybody needs to read this book because even if you're not a YouTuber, even if you're not somebody that thinks this is a viable path, I am guessing that with the rate rates have, have, you know, essentially doubled since, since, and I don't like to even say rates have doubled because they were such low, of course they were going to double, but regardless, it's still a tricky time to generate leads. So if you're doing the traditional methods, then it, you know, you're going to just have a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. There's only a certain percentage of your sphere of influence that are going to be buying or selling in the next 12 months. And you're probably a little stressed about it right now. I know all of our agents are. This provides you, even if you're like, that's not really what I, I'm not really a, a online personality. It doesn't, you don't need to necessarily be an online personality, what you need to do. I mean, I don't care who does. I watched a video last night. I had to replace a, um, a, a, a switch. I have like a smart switch, uh, light switch essentially, and it has a dimmer and whatever. So anyway, I had to switch it and I was like, I better just double check that I've got these wires, uh, you know, connected correctly, or I'm going to, you know, blow up my whole home. And, um, and, and I watched a one minute video. It was a guy who was not a YouTube personality. But he had the most views for this particular, you know, wiring for uh, outlet. It had like 
3 million views. And this, it was a one minute video. This guy could not have been less personable. And yet his content was good and it was quick and it works. And so even if you're not somebody who's like, oh, I'm not as dynamic, maybe I'm more introverted. It doesn't matter. You just have to have incredible content. And yes, you should learn how to make things look good and sound good. And you should be really intentional about, you know, the way you're speaking. And, and there, there's a lot to learn, but regardless, I just watched a video last night. This guy basically saved my life. Uh, and he is not dynamic. So I just want to make that point that if if you're thinking about, you know, another way to generate income, because like, like Levi was saying, you can create a really great piece of content. It lives forever. It might generate traffic for a very long time or, or even forever, I guess, and, and, you know, it could be. Um, and so you have this opportunity to create something that lasts. Social media is very digestible. It's very... Um, it, it, it's it's very transient. It comes and goes. We do the infinite scroll. It, but YouTube stuff kind of lasts forever. Um, now something better might come along and replace you, and then you can create another video to replace that person. You know, so you know that can happen. But it essentially, if it's good, it lasts. And and I I see this all the time, like this video about replacing the electrical wiring. Uh, he made it like 10 years ago and it's still the best video 10 years. And you would think some electrician has got a better personality is more dynamic can make a, I mean, this guy literally was literally, it was just his webcam. He was holding it up. There was no production and 10, you know, like 10 million views or something. So anyway, um, let's, let's all visit passiveprospecting.com. sign up to find out when the book is going to be released so that you can buy a copy. This is the year to learn how to generate content online. Um, let's, let's do it. If you're tired of just posting, just listed and just sold things on Instagram that honestly, nobody cares if, you know, it's nice, it's cute, it's fine, but you can actually provide real value to people on places like, you know, the different mediums like, uh, like YouTube. So, um, go to passiveprospecting.com. Also subscribe to passive prospecting, watch what Levi's doing, uh, you know, his own admission. Hey, when he goes into a new industry, he seeks out the top and then he goes, Hey, I wonder what that guy's or, or that woman's doing. You can do the same thing with him. Go to his YouTube channel. We'll have links to both. Um, as soon as the book is released, we're going to be promoting it, of course, because we want our audience to have another stream of income or sorry, another stream of leads, which I, I guess technically is another stream of income uh, for 2023. And this is the year, guys. I'm going to do it. So if I'm going to do it, you guys should do it too. We can do it together. Uh, Levi is is a guy to model and look and, and watch and follow. And he's just a heck of a nice guy. And he served our country. So let's let's do let's do him a solid. Uh, let's follow follow him. Let's, let's walk, look out for his book. And gosh, I can't imagine there's any of our listeners who wouldn't love to have another, you know, 160 transactions like Levi has got, uh, from YouTube. So guys, let's do this. Levi, on behalf of everyone who uh, is listening to our show right now, we thank you for not only your service to the country, but also uh, your service to this industry. And and being on this podcast is of service. This doesn't benefit Levi. He's just a nice guy who's willing to share his secrets. And yes, of course, he has a book to promote because you should all buy it because I'm going to buy it. <laughs> um, but uh, we thank you for taking the time to tell us exactly what you do, being as transparent as you are. Uh, you're, you're, it's just really, really refreshing. Also, um, on behalf of Levi and myself, we want to thank everyone who's listening or watching right now. We appreciate you. You're the reason we keep doing these episodes. And please, let's support our guests. Go to PassiveProspecting.com. And the only thing we ever ask of you, aside from making sure our guests are taken care of, is let's help take care of the podcast. Just tell one other realtor about our show. One other realtor that needs to hear this episode with Levi. I know you know somebody in your office that that could use this. Send this to them. Send them over our, our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done can be streamed right from there uh, or just pull up any podcast app. Search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Levi, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Uh, really great content. A good reminder to me to change my, my tactics and my strategy. And uh, we're excited to chat with you in the future. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you.